Did the number one dynasty rookie wideout just gain separation from number two? Where did Tyreek Hill go in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Dynasty Startup Draft last night? And what can we expect to hear in the newest Fantasyland podcast featuring the FFPC? Fantasyland host Peter Overzet and producer Pat Corain also joined the program to give us a taste of episode 10 of Fantasyland and recap their first adventure into high-stakes fantasy football via the 2016 FFPC main event. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. We run a brand with a structure for number one commitment. It's all a joke between Monk and Thanks a lot, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, He is the Dizzle. He is Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, who is the NFC West receiver you can't forget about in 2017? A recap of last night's KFFSC Dynasty startup that I participated in. And Peter Overzet and Pat Corain come on to talk about the FFPC Fantasyland episodes. Plus, much, 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 much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you all might have in there if you want to connect with us on Twitter. You can do so at HSFFO or at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak. You can post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash HSFFO. If you want to chime in and talk with us, give us a call at 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox, football at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, for Peter Overzet, for Pat Corain, now is the time to send them. We'll get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show, which will be an abbreviated one because we have a dynasty startup to recap from last night. And I also want to uh, thank producer and mutual friend Rob for his hard work uh, this entire month of January and now, as he is still behind the glass tonight working hard, and our audio engineer Bryce uh, kudos to you, my friend. He is uh, the man making sure the sound gets to your ears this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Dave Gerzak, welcome into the show. Very exciting to uh, to have you on tonight, Pat Corain, Peter Overzet, KFFSC recap. Plus, we were supposed to hear from the prognosticator tonight, Dave. We are. For, he's for he's the, calling in? No, he's not. Oh. Uh, Super Bowl bets, you know, Super Bowl props. Is, I think this is the first year we have not had the prognosticator on. Uh, he told me that he will be with us in spirit. He had a function to go to tonight. Plus, he has not started his preparation on Super Bowl props <laughs> oh, yeah. yet. So I think he uh, he had other fish to fry, as the kids say. So no prognosticator tonight. We'll give our Super Bowl predictions later on in the show. But uh, we will. Yeah, we will. 
Did I not tell you we're doing that? No. I need a winner and a final score, but you have essentially 75 minutes to figure it out. 72 minutes. I'm not going to talk much. I'm going to get to work on Okay, sounds good. Uh, A couple of housekeeping things right away to get to at the top of the show. Remember, the High Stakes Lowdown Season 2 premiered on rotoviz.com yesterday, actually, with uh, FFPC best ball uh, player David Shaw, one of the more successful best ball players uh, we've had. He he gave uh, some great tips if you've never done it. Never done an FFPC best ball or draft experts. Yes, let's use it by the branded trademark term. As the adults call it, draft experts, as the kids call it, best ball. Best ball. He's, uh, he gives a lot of tips in there, includes uh, what he what his format he likes to be as far as um, how many at each position he typically likes to have. The biggest mistake that he continues uh, to see people make. And, and uh, a lot of great stuff there. Plus an appearance by David Hubbard, uh, 2016 FFPC main event champion. Came on. We talked to little Falcons, little Patriots. He gave us a Super Bowl prediction as well. So very cool. Check that out at rotaviz.com slash podcast. Another bit of news. If you do listen to us on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, we are moving uh, beginning not the, not this, you know, today, Saturday afternoon, if you're listening on Fantasy. Uh, we're still going to be on at 3-2 Central. To the overnights, right? No. So we're, like, what's the worst possible time? Prime time on Saturday nights, which is where we're moving to. Is it? Yeah, seven six Central. <laughs> this is after the Super Bowl. The uh, the, the ratings have come in. Programming schedule uh, got switched around, so we are going to be on they're, seven they're six, six Central Saturday nights. We will be right after next week in fantasy with Greg Sussman and Corey Parson, and right before the fantasy Hall of Fame hour with Scott Engel. So that is what you have to look forward to. Again, not this Saturday. Next Saturday will be on Saturday nights. Dynasty Orphans are available, myffpc.com. Check out the boards there. Dave has all the rosters and picks loaded up from $250 all the way up to $25. Do we have any $2,500 orphans? I don't think we do anymore, do we? Yeah, we have a couple. Oh, two. But they're discounted pretty nicely. One's $2,000, one's $1,900. And they're actually good teams. I mean, these are some good teams, actually. Right. I mean, the fact is that they're not cheap, so you know, it's a limited number of people that are able to buy them. But, I mean, these are teams that could easily make the playoffs, and they're, they're pretty well discounted. Check that out. Uh, make your best offer to Dave at myffpc.com. Todd Hunter, of course, former co-host of this show, Dave, uh, emailed me yeah. with the FFPC email that went out today with the cute little puppies and the, the yeah. double entendre with the, the, <laughs> the dynasty orphan teams as, as opposed to, um, you know, orphan Real puppies. Or, yeah. yeah. And he said, you know, if you're trying to peddle these teams to us, don't you think you should have used a better picture than dogs? <laughs> like we're just offering these dogs of a team. You that know, was a hidden, yeah. hidden, hidden meaning. But they're not dogs. They're, and I said, oh, these are purebred, best in show, baby. So check that out, myffpc.com. We actually have um, someone bought one right away. Oh, excellent. Fantastic. So at least one person listened to that, or rather read that email. And then listened to the show. Listen, if I can reach one person a day, <laughs> it'll be the first time. Football guys, RotoPass, RotoWorld, and Rob were uh, all responsible for helping put together tonight's rundown. I should mention Pat Garain and Peter Overzet from the Fantasyland podcast coming on in about eight minutes here. So we'll talk to them. They did a great job out in Vegas. Many of uh, you were interviewed by them. Well, not many, but a lot of you were interviewed by them. And uh, we'll uh, get their thoughts on what it was like building that podcast, what we can expect for it. I believe it is due to be released this coming week. David Johnson says he wants to have 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving next season. David Johnson believes he can reach that goal if he improves his route running, according to Michael David Smith from ProFootballTalk.com. Remember, David Johnson was a former receiver at Northern Iowa, so he definitely has a leg up on a lot of other running backs who would be attempting a similar feat. 
The Cardinals, under Bruce Arians, love to throw the ball down the field. They are not afraid or opposed to putting him out in a wide receiver spot. This, Dave, only good news for David Johnson as the 101 pick next year. We've talked about this to no end. I believe you said that you like Johnson over Bell at the 101, correct? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. Okay. I like David Johnson quite a bit. I, I may be switching to David Johnson uh, over Le'Veon Bell. It is a, um, I do love Bell. It, yeah, I mean, I, they're both fantastic. Le'Veon Bell averaged something like 157 yards per scrimmage, or from scrimmage this year yeah, in the games crazy. he played. I also heard this stat on the way over tonight. David Johnson got that knee injury in, in week 17, cut his day short. If he was on pace to get 100 yards from scrimmage that game, if he would have done that, he would have been the first player in NFL history to get 100-plus yards from scrimmage in every game in one season. That's great. That's he amazing. did it in 15 out of 16 that is games. really crazy. Only got cut short that final game because of a knee injury. Wow, that's nuts. So you're, you may have already you may already have this somewhere, but okay. only two players have had have done that, 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving. Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk, and, and see, that Falk you're, you're, was the easy one. Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, sh- I should know because I just, I just saw this. It was Marshall Falk and Roger Craig. Yep. Now, yep. there you go. Nice job. Way back in the day, the old Niners teams. Yep. Western Michigan wide receiver Corey Davis recently underwent a minor ankle procedure, which will keep him from running at the NFL scouting combine. He is indeed intending to be ready for his rookie minicamp for whatever team drafts him. This is a report from ESPN's Adam Schefter. This could cause his draft stock to drop because he will not get to work out at the Combine, maybe not at the Western Michigan Pro Day uh, as well. And and this is a big deal for a quote-unquote small school guy uh, where a team, uh, prospective drafters, would want to get objective measurables on him who did not go up against the finest of competition that uh, college football has to offer. He should still go in the first round. I am seeing more and more, despite this ankle surgery, Dave, I'm seeing more and more positive thoughts and positive things being said about Corey Davis being the number one receiver, despite this over Mike Williams right now in dynasty. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how talented he is. He's, he's a a guy that is big, like six, two, six, three, 220 pounds, something like that. Um, Runs very good routes is excellent at high pointing the ball gets, uh, you know, uh, gets separation, which, you know, is definitely an underrated aspect when you transfer from college football to the pro game. So if you look at Corey Davis, this ankle injury kind of hurts him a little bit, but I think when we get to dynasty drafts and a team sinks a first-round pick into him, we're going to feel full confidence in picking him among the top four in rookie drafts. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Um, You know who should have done that last year, and they should have faked an ankle surgery was Treadwell. Yeah, he should have faked it, and then he wouldn't have had to run a four seven forty. Yeah, he was really bad at yeah. the combine. Really he bad. He could, the combine. could not could not get on the field his yeah. rookie season as he well. He might have gotten drafted another ten spots higher, made a couple more million bucks. He, he might have the message lesson for the kids out there: fake an injury. Yeah, exactly. Hey, just he, do it like what Gordon Bombay had the Mighty Ducks doing in the first Mighty Ducks movie. Take a dive. Yeah, you know, it's like high school or college. If you know, if you didn't study for the test, hey, you're sick. What do you know? Do the same thing. Right. Don't try. Yeah. Just <laughs> you only get in trouble by giving it your best. <laughs> Larry, like successories in reverse, like a bizarro successor. It, it very well is a guy who has always given his best. And we certainly appreciate it from a fantasy standpoint is Larry Fitzgerald. On Wednesday this past week, he announced that he is, quote unquote, definitely 
returning for his 14th season in the NFL. He will play out the final year of his contract, according to ESPN's Jim Trotter. Cardinals fans, breathing a sigh of relief. Dynasty owners of Larry Fitzgerald, obviously also breathing a sigh of relief. And it also sounds like this could be the um, linchpin to bringing Carson Palmer back for at least one more season in Arizona, which is good news because – the quarterback covered behind Palmer is kind of bare there. So Palmer, it sounds like he, he officially Palmer has not come back yet. Uh, Bruce Arian says that uh, he expects uh, Carson Palmer to make the announcement that he is coming back any day now. Larry Fitzgerald last year, getting the topic back to him, he had the second highest catches total ever for his career in 2016. Uh, and I believe he led the NFL in receptions too. No Michael Floyd. You have John Brown uh, having his snaps managed with his sickle cell trait there as well. Larry Fitzgerald, really the center backbone featured player of that Arizona passing offense. And the fact that Carson Palmer is coming back and they have a decent running game to count on with a prolific running back. All good news for Larry Fitzgerald being drafted among the top 20 receivers in fantasy football once again next year. That's right. He's got to go there. I mean, he's he's just like a Bolden type guy or like Heinz Ward. These guys, they run great routes. They're big. They're strong. They know how to push off without ever getting caught. And Fitz has 20, I think it's 27 now if you count this year's drops. 27 right. career drops. T.O. had that every season. Yeah. Devontae Adams had it in one game last year. I think he might have. Yeah. So it's, it's really crazy the, the fact that uh, Fitzgerald has been so prolific, such a great pass catcher in his career, and he continues it for another year. Let me ask you a dynasty question. Do you own him in, in any yeah, dynasty? Yeah, I own him in a few leagues, actually. Would you be looking to flip him? No. You, so you're going to ride him out for another year? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, these guys, they're not worth, you know. That's they, true. All they would give you is like a, a future, like a 2018 second, which yeah, is garbage. Nothing. It's like, I'd rather get to production, have a good shot at winning the league, or at least making the playoffs and getting some money. Why, why, just, why get rid of fifth? And plus, you don't know that just because – he, this is his last year of his contract, which obviously he's going to play out at the $23 million or whatever. It doesn't mean only a total moron would retire. Sorry, Kellen. But, so he's going to play that out. But he might actually still get another, like how Bolden did, get another two-year contract somewhere else or get some sort of deal. I mean, he, you know, Fitzgerald's loyal, so maybe he'll play a, like a two-year, 15 or $20 million deal with Arizona after this ends. I'm not even saying he's going to retire after this year. I mean, and he, he very well can still play come them. back. Yeah. So then you would trade him for a second-round pick, and now you're like, like oh, they, you know, I, I got rid of him, you know. You would have said that about Gore a few years ago. And right. meanwhile, Gore is sitting there putting up like top 15 running back numbers every year still. What's crazy to me is how young Fitzgerald is. You know, this is going to be his 14th year in the NFL. Do you know how old he is? Uh, 35. 24 years old. Shut up, Larry man. Fitzgerald. Been in the league since he was 10, which I thought was illegal, but apparently not. The Doogie Howser wide receiver. You know, definitely he's got a lot of mileage, but youth is still on his side, Dave. And I can tell you as a preview to the Kentucky. How old is he really? 33, I believe. Um, oh, he's got, he might even have three or four years he, left. He might. Um, a preview to the uh, Kentucky startup draft, dynasty draft, that we will be looking at um, in the third part of the show. Yes, I'm sure people are just, you know, baited right. You know, people like, like hearing about this stuff, especially when you talk about a draft uh, on Super Bowl weekend, which is always exciting. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald went at the 602 in that draft last night. One pick after Tyreek Hill. So, you know, the, oh, interesting. Yeah. So the 602 Fitzgerald in a dynasty startup. In a dynasty startup. 602. That's a little early. <laughs> uh, and, you, well, we could t- talk about Tyreek Hill. This podcast, by the way, is turning into the Tyreek Hill podcast. We've talked about a lot of Tyreek Hill you gotta get him on. Uh, the last few weeks. Yeah, well, I'm going to leave that up to you. Although we do have the hookups. Maybe Sharkandrick West can get him on. He's teammates with them yeah, there. Yeah, text him. So that, that would be uh, optimal if we can do that. 
before we get to uh, Fantasyland's Peter Overzet and Pat Corain, we uh, want to bring up one final thing here. CBS Sports' Jason Lockenfora reports that Tom Savage is going to get every opportunity to win the Texans' starting quarterback job in 2017. Lockenfora goes on in this article to say that Osweiler's salary is going to prevent the Texans from trying to get Jimmy Garoppolo or another free agent quarterback. By the way, uh, Lock and Forrest says Coach Bill O'Brien is a big believer in Jimmy Garoppolo. Savage was pretty bad last year, so was Brock Osweiler. It's certainly possible that Houston could be drafting somebody else this year. I don't know if they'd be taking him in the first or second round. All this comes back to DeAndre Hopkins. Are we believing that the talent can supersede Savage and Osweiler, or are we just beating our heads against the wall expecting – different results from the same thing that we saw this past year. You know, I, I personally, mean, I believe that uh, Hopkins will have a bit of a bounce back. He started coming on strong late last year. I think he was a little bit, it seemed like he was dinged up earlier in the year, even though it wasn't really widely reported. I don't know if that, what your opinion is on that. Yeah, I, I, I guess I don't have, I, I don't think it was like a, it just didn't seem like he was right. You know what I mean? That, you know, that could be. Yeah. Quarterback play wasn't good. He just wasn't fitting into the offense. He was playing better at the end of the year. He was getting, being much more productive. Uh, I think I'm actually probably would look at Hopkins at drafting Hopkins next year just because of the fact that he didn't do all that well. People who drafted him early will remember it. So that's probably, you know, that's at least one twelfth of the league where they're like, I'm not drafting Hopkins. So um, and then they think the quarterback's play is going to be dreadful. So I think he might get a bargain on Hopkins. Should be able to get a lot of targets again next year. I think you're buying him at his floor. That's my opinion right. like, for, for redraft. Uh, mid second round, mid third round. I, I don't know where he's going to go at all. But I mean, I don't think he's going to go mid second. I think he'll go a little bit later. Okay. All right, fair enough. Well, that is uh, going to wrap up our Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins discussion for this we evening. Talk about Hill. Hopefully, well, we've talked about Hill enough on the show the last few weeks, so hopefully we can move on from that. We will be moving on right after this break to Fantasyland's Peter Overzet, Pat Crane, the host and producer, talking about the upcoming episode all about the FFPC live events at the Westgate in Las Vegas. I'm Eric Balkman. He's Dave Gerzak. This is the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. We'll be right back here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Super Bowl 51 weekend is here, and we are talking almost nothing about it tonight, Dave. Literally <laughs> nothing not? Not? on the Super Bowl. We're not really, we'll do make our predictions at the end of the show. Dave Gerzak, Eric Balkman on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Talking fantasy football, talking about the Fantasyland podcast. I want to bring in our guest tonight, a very extra special guest that we're uh, very thankful to have on, the host of Fantasyland and the Fantasy Football Comedy Hour and Rotoviz contributor Peter Overzet, as well as Rotoviz radio host, contributor to Rotoviz, and the producer of the Fantasyland podcast, Pat Graham. We're seen by all of you at the Westgate in Las Vegas this past September, covering our live events for an episode of the Fantasyland podcast that is nearly upon us. You can also uh, read, or hopefully already did read, their Diary of High Stakes Virgins throughout the 2016 season at rotaviz.com. Here to discuss both of those excellent works are Peter Overzet and Pat Corain. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks, guys. This Thanks is fun. On. We, uh, we're definitely pumped to have you. And before I, I uh, get into the actual interview itself, I, I do want to let oh, everybody know. Here come all the tweets. Yeah, here, yeah I, I want to plug the Twitters. I'm going to go to the bathroom. You go on, on Twitter, you can follow uh, Peter at Peter Overzet, at Pat Corain, the uh, Fantasy Football Comedy Hour, at the FF Comedy Hour, at Rotoviz, at Rotoviz Radio. And of course, the one we want you all to follow, because you'll find out when the next episode drops, at Fantasyland Pod. So let's get into it tonight, guys. Uh, Peter, let's start with uh, you and uh, and Pat's foray into high-stakes fantasy football this past season. You guys 
Uh, neither of you had played the FFPC main event uh, before. You jumped into a league this year. Tell us a little bit about the preparation and the excitement that you guys had uh, while you were preparing uh, for uh, that buildup to that live draft in Las Vegas. Yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, it was my first time doing high stakes, first time doing a live draft. Uh, and then obviously, uh, I had been to Vegas before, but never, you know, combining fantasy football and live draft. So yeah, the excitement was building, uh, all summer and, you know, Pat and I had worked on some fantasy land episodes. You know, we did a zero RB episode. We did late round quarterback. So we were kind of in lockstep with kind of our bigger strategy, kind of philosophical thinking about how we wanted to approach our team. And then, yeah, as August kind of rolled around, you know, we had players we liked and then we're kind of just starting to match them up with ADP and and see who we liked uh, when the price was right and who we thought we could get out of value. And then it was really fun because that first night, the first two nights we were in Vegas before our draft, our draft was on Friday. We basically had three or four hour long cram sessions where we went round by round uh, through the draft, kind of doing our own mock and seeing targets and contingency plans. So yeah, we definitely cram there at the end. And the other thing I should bring up too, on the, on the zero RB episode uh, of fantasy land, you can hear from um, longtime FFPC player, Brian Owens and Aaron Majerian was also interviewed for the late round quarterback episode, which I don't know why Aaron was on there because he's part of the whole no QB uh, philosophy <laughs> does not want to draft a QB only does it. Uh, because he has to uh, at certain times. So it's definitely cool that you got to uh, pick both of those guys' brains. They are definitely uh, among the, the smartest FFPC players uh, we have, Dave. Yes, the <laughs> smartest. Hey, so I'm going to ask you a question, Pat. As far as strategy goes, according to your and Peter's Diary of High Stakes Virgins series on Rotoviz, you guys were able to execute it fairly well. So what were your takeaways from your team right after the draft was over? We felt pretty good about it. I mean, we didn't really feel like we got any kind of gift wrapped picks, um, but there were a couple times where there was like one guy left in the tier uh, for us, and then if we if that guy got sniped, then we were really going to have to scramble. And it seemed like we pretty much ended up getting that guy almost every time, so we didn't really have any any moments in the draft where we felt like we were unsure where to go. Um, we didn't really have anything fall in our lap either, but. Overall, we felt like we were able to execute our strategy pretty well. We went zero running back. Um, we felt like, you know, after the draft that, that things were looking pretty good. We were definitely nervous about our running backs. Uh, given that we went zero running back, I don't think that was totally unexpected, but running back did end up being a problem for us. So I think we sort of correctly foresaw where the issues, especially early in the season, were going to be for our team. And I'll ask you about your, how, you know, I'll ask you later about, Oh, you felt later. Okay. All right. Yeah, that, that's good. Uh, one thing I will bring up, too, uh, and that, that Pat touched on there, I think that if you are doing a draft and, you know, there's two types of people. Well, there's three types of people. There's, when it gets to be your pick, one type, of the pers- one type of person, when it gets to be their pick, they'll have, like, four guys, and then they got to pick between those four guys, you know, that, that they have. Then there's another, which I think you guys fall into this category, always seemed like there's one of your guys left from, from your tier that you were looking at there, which is good. And then the worst type of person to be when you're sitting, especially at a high stakes table is when you have one guy left and you're on deck and then that guy gets sniped right before you. And then comes the panic picks. That is the worst feeling in the world. So it's always good to be in one of the former two categories there, which it sounds like you guys definitely uh, were members of uh, Peter. Let, let's uh, let's talk about the start 
that you got off to. One and five certainly uh, w- was not ideal. You don't want to fall that far behind to start the season off. You guys had to be at that point because uh, I know I would be questioning my analysis, team construction, uh, player evaluations. Everything comes into question when you get off to a one and five start. But you guys stayed true to the process and uh, and ripped off five straight wins. To end the season, uh, six and five is what you finished at, and you joined three other teams in your league uh, at just missing the league playoffs as that four seed. That had to be quite the roller coaster ride. Well, really, one 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 down and then one massive up essentially because you got off to that bad start. But you guys really closed like monsters in this league, and then uh, ultimately just ended up missing those league playoffs. What was that like for you? Yeah, no, you you nailed it uh, as far as questioning everything. I think Pat and I even had like a period where we just like weren't talking to each other about the team. Like we were just like a, a couple that was just fighting. And uh, but then we're like, wait, we're, we're starting to rattle off wins. But no, we were still working the waiver, obviously, and, and setting our lineups. But yeah, we'd be lying if we say we were pretty discouraged because that one in five, you basically are like, there's no way it's going to happen. I mean, we're going to set our lineup, you know, for com- competitive balance reasons but uh it was funny because we were you know writing about it on rotoviz and i want to say it was a few people on there as some of our articles were getting either uh increasingly you know depressing or we were trying to make jokes (laughs) you know because there was no chance and and people were like hey no no you guys still have a chance uh keep your heads up keep working the waiver and those people ended up being uh being spot on because we were able to rattle off wins. And so that was really fun to uh, have that down the stretch where we're kind of hawking the scoreboard and the standings and being like, holy cow. And I think we ended up finishing 48 points out, which, you know, sounds significant, but when you divide it up over what that ends up being, what four or five points, you know, each week, uh, you know, we weren't too far off. You definitely weren't an Aaron Rodgers led Packers like ride as you guys, uh, you know, stumbled uh, to the middle of the season. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, in and your, then didn't get there. No, the then like, uh, you know, Peter says to Pat, he's like, no, listen, the guys, I, I think we can run the table here and, uh, and run the table. You did all the way up until the final point of the regular season. That's good. I mean, we've seen it happen so many times, David, where, where teams, not just in the main event, but in other ancillary leagues that we have, get off to really bad starts, and then they end up... Uh, Brian Pakula comes to mind this year. This team And, and Jared Grugut, actually, two guys who were on the high-stakes lowdown in Rotoviz, both got off to horrible starts, like 1-7 and seven and 2-6, and six, and those guys ended up finishing in the top 20 of the main event, which wow. is just insane. So, I mean, it can happen, and it certainly uh, was close to happening for you guys this year uh, as well. Dave, um, why don't you go ahead and... Uh, sorry, is your pen broke now? Oh man, I, my I, pen's not that, working. You know what's funny is I'm I, the guy who likes to always. So draw. I like I always put out the pens for you, and and then they. Oh, dis- this is your pen. Yeah, that's my pen. But I but I always put them out for, and then I don't know where they go. This is a Seiko pen. This yeah. No wonder it sucks. No, it's a good one. That's one of the the Premier League pens. That well, that's a really good one. You give me a soccer right. pen. All right, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Show? Let's 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 just cool our jets here. All right. Now, you, can, you can ask the next question. question. Then we'll go to a show break, and I'll I'll get you a new pen. Yeah, it's just like when they were one. Sounds like trouble in paradise over there. That's right. This is just like when you guys are just sucking in your in your. I'm going to tell you what. This this is as good as it gets right now. There it is nothing but it's uh, uh, always trouble in paradise here. All right. So Pat, now you've had a chance to sit back, reflect, and look at where you went wrong. Uh, the question reads. I'm going to read you the question. And I'm going to ask you a kind of a different version of it. What corrections have you realized that you need to make as you tackle the 2017 main event? But perhaps you don't think you need to make any corrections. That could be. Yeah. Perhaps you think zero RB just kind of had an off year. So I'll let you just uh, ruminate on that. Well, I do 
think that zero running back had an off year. I mean, it, it definitely did. Running back scoring was way up. Um, running back touchdowns were way up. And wide receiver one scoring was down. So it was not a good year to go zero running back. I think 2017 will be better. But obviously, like, if it had been a good year, we still missed on. We took Watkins in the third round. We took Allen Robinson as our first round pick. So there's some picks that we missed on. No doubt about that. I think um, one thing, though, that I learned specifically about the FFPC main event is that the tight end premium really changes the strategy. And in some ways, like we went zero running back. So the idea there is, you know, you want to be really strong at wide receiver and then you kind of cobble together running back production. But we ended up going with Delaney Walker and the, uh, the fourth round and then Eric Ebron in the ninth. So, you know, that's two of our premium picks been on tight ends. And then we were thinner at wide receiver than we wanted. So we ended up going with Perriman and Funches in the 12th and 14th to get some more wide receiver upside. But then that kind of left us thin at running back flyers. And it took us longer than we really needed it to, to get running back production squared away. So I do think we'll go zero running back again, but I actually think we should, we maybe need to go more wide receiver heavy in the first, you know, that really high value rounds than we did and then try to pound uh, running back and tight end more in the back half of the draft and kind of avoid taking wide receiver flyers since if we don't have strong wide receivers after spending all of our premium picks on it, our team's not going to be very good in the first place, I don't think. So I do think there's some strategy tweaks we need to make after kind of doing this first year. Pat, let me uh, let me ask you a, a follow up to that because you know I, I read a lot of the the high stakes versions uh, diary uh, on Rotoviz and leading up to the draft, I think it is always compelling because at that point you can really take anybody who you want or, or look to take anybody who you want uh, because you don't um, you know everybody's available essentially. So when you talked about in one of those articles that I think Peter had written this one. Um, you talked about possible first round picks, uh, guys that you could be selecting uh, at, at, at the, I think you guys had the, the six or the sevens. It was somewhere in the middle. But um, Allen Robinson's name never came up in there. And then when I looked at your draft board, when, when uh, your draft was done, I saw your first round pick was Allen Robinson. So how did, that, how did you guys sort of come to that conclusion when he was a guy that, that wasn't really discussed, at least you know, publicly on Rotoviz? How did you guys come to the Allen Robinson decision in round one? So the guy that we had almost penned in as our first round pick was AJ Green. And we went around, you know, as Pete mentioned, our draft was Friday. So we had a day to kind of walk around in, in the morning too, to walk around and, and see all the other draft boards. And AJ Green was following to the one Oh six pretty frequently. I think maybe so one, one board, if any, where he hadn't. So we felt pretty good about him there and we needed to come up with a backup plan in case, he didn't and that was going to be either Hopkins or Robinson and we we kind of came up with Robinson later in the game we started to get a little nervous about Hopkins was which was the right impulse but then we went to Robinson which was the wrong one so uh I think you know we we didn't really Robinson was our backup and we really wanted to land AJ Green there but he got taken I think 104 um out from under us so we had to we had to change up our strategy at that point uh, always good to uh, to hear draft analysis and uh, projections uh, from uh, from high stakes players as well as you guys uh, this year because you certainly did your homework on it and uh, had a really good performance for year one of the 
uh, FFPC main event for you guys. We're talking with Peter Overzet, Pat Corain from the Fantasyland podcast. Coming up after this break, we are going to talk about the Fantasyland podcast, what it's all about, where you can listen to it, why we're excited about the next episode. Eric Balkman, Dave Gerzak, and the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The HSFF Hour rolls on here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm Eric Balkman. He's Dave Gerzak. We are talking to Fantasyland host Peter Overzet, Fantasyland producer Pat Corain about the upcoming uh, episode of the Fantasyland podcast. And uh, I'll let Dave ask a question a little bit, but but, uh, give us the spoiler, uh, Peter, right now. When when do you expect the newest episode uh, featuring the FFPC live event coverage? When do you expect that to be released? Yeah, no, we should be good to go either Monday or Tuesday, I would say. I mean, we're down to the final revisions, the nitty-gritty, just, uh, you know, dotting our I's, crossing our T's. So, yeah, I would say Monday or Tuesday, once you have that uh, Super Bowl hangover, uh, the Fantasyland High Stakes episode will uh, be there to get you through it. David, are we set up to uh, to take uh, main event entries the day after the Super Bowl? Because there's going to be a cavalcade of them. We most assuredly are not. Ah, perfect. We are not. That's just... <laughs> That's, no chance. Yes, that's uh, that's the timing could not be better. Yep. Just get everybody awesome. all excited for it. You know, listening to the fantasy. You really want to give us money? Yeah. Sorry. Yep. We better, don't want to take. Better luck next time. <laughs> See you in August. Go play in nowhere land. <laughs> well, well, okay, well, here's so the Pat, thing. Talking about the fans. Oh yeah. Go ahead, Pat. Oh, no, no, this is Peter. I was just going to say, no, we, uh, we had so much good audio that uh, we'll be doing at least a second ep, um, if not three, uh, the next one all about co-managing with a team. So we're going to have a nice little off-season to work everybody up into a nice lather. So we'll, we'll let you guys get the main event registrations worked out, and we'll keep pumping out episodes. Well, thank you. We it's appreciate called Synergy, that. Dave. <laughs> These guys are just bending over backwards, which, like which we appreciate. The AOL Time Warner merger. Right, yeah, something like that. <laughs> So, Pat, talking about the Fantasyland podcast, one thing I, I hear, the rumor, is that you guys spend, like, a ton of time on it. You know, like, for an hour, just to give you a background on our show, for an hour and 10-minute podcast, we spend about an hour and 12 minutes on it. Uh, you <laughs> spend an hour and 12 minutes I spend an hour and seven Rob minutes. Rob and I spend a significant hour and more seven amount minutes of, yeah. of hour and 10. I, I just show up late when you're telling, talking about Twitter and right. Facebook. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit how, how long you spend on that podcast. Um, and then you tell us more what it's about and how it's different from the other podcasts out there. I don't want to get into exactly how much time I spend on it because uh, <laughs> it's way too much. But we, uh, it's it, the podcast is different because it's structured by topic and and not by guest. And we'll have at least a handful of guests per episode. But then we'll take that audio, like we'll take an interview, forty minute interview, and we'll break it into clips, and then we'll kind of weave one guest with another based on topic uh, to tell kind of a larger story with Pete narrating. Um, and another way that, that it's different, I think, than other podcasts is, is that the, uh, the episodes aren't really driven by player advice. They're not really season-specific. Um, even our strategy-based episodes were designed so that you could go back and listen to them now or you know next off-season and still get pretty much the same experience because they're more high-level try not to dive down into specific player recommendations or anything. Um, And really what drives the show, I think, is that we try to build it around interesting stories and the interesting experiences that come from playing fantasy sports, Um, not so much trying to help people, you know, win their league uh, that week. Because there's a lot of other great podcasts that do that. So we're trying to provide kind of uh, a little bit more of the entertainment 
factor and and it's a little bit more highly produced so it takes a few weeks about three weeks per episode from start to finish to to get them done although we're trying to figure out a way to get them done a little faster but that's where we're at right now and pat i mean the other thing too that i think is is great about Fantasyland is you know you can't really fall behind on it you just these these are not time specific uh podcasts that uh, need to be listened to by a certain time. You can; these are all they're telling a story, like you said. You can listen to these at your leisure in whatever order you want. You guys had the the Roto World episode, the girls episode, the the spreadsheets. Of course, you already mentioned zero RB and 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 late round quarterback. I mean, there's just and there's there's a ton more too that I'm not mentioning by the way. But you can go back and listen to these, and and it's really it's just enjoyable listening and, and stuff that you know it, it's good to be doing some active listening uh, on it as well, but it, it's a different type of listening than what you would normally associate with a fantasy podcast. Yeah. In some ways I think it's kind of a break from the grind of everything. Like our last episode that we put out was the story of these Iraqi war veterans who started the league when they were deployed. And it's been a, a, a method of staying in contact and really staying together, getting together every year Um and fantasies like meant a lot to them way beyond, you know, just watching football. But we were able to get audio from their live draft this year and, and interview a bunch of the guys. Uh, so, you know, it can kind of remind you kind of about the bigger picture when you're trying to figure out who to who to start that week or, you know, wh- who to play in DFS. You can kind of pull back a little bit. It's still about fantasy football, but it's a little bit of a different experience than your, your typical podcast, I think. Peter, uh, you guys uh, recorded audio pretty much all weekend at the uh, Westgate uh, Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, where the FFPC had their uh, not only main event, but other ancillary high stakes events out there as well. You covered a lot of ground, talked to a lot of people. Like you said, uh, there, there's you know probably going to be multiple episodes of uh, you know the, the, the audio and coverage that you guys did uh, out in Vegas. Can you talk a little bit, delve a little bit deeper into the topics you mentioned? Um, co-managing, uh, I, I know uh, you said was one of them. What are sort of the other topics or, or at least the areas that uh, the FFPC portion of the Fantasyland podcast will center on? Yeah, well, this, this one coming out in the next few days, you know, I'd say it's kind of a mixture of both um, kind of Pat and I's experience, you know, walking you through kind of our excitement leading up to it and the atmosphere um, at the drafts. Uh, we even touch on the bare knuckle draft, which was such a fun experience to take in on that Thursday night. Um, and so, yeah, it's a combination of kind of our personal experience. And then also talking to a lot of the people out there, you know, from, you know, high stakes pros. We talked to uh, Blake Pyle, who won the 2015 uh, Football guy, Guys Player Championship. We talked to Ira Berman. Uh, and then we also talked to some guys um, who kind of are out there as kind of a lifestyle thing. They, they like coming out just for the weekend, having fun. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a good mixture and kind of shows how everyone gets a little something different out of the experience and you can kind of pick and choose uh, what you want to take from the weekend. And I think the, uh, the episode kind of conveys that. So Pat, out of all the people that you guys interviewed at the Westgate this past September, whose interview stands out the most after you edited out all the other junkie stuff? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's uh, this father and son duo from Lubbock, Texas, uh, Matt and Mark. They uh, they were just an absolute riot and and a blast to interview. Um, 
Mark is a, a radio announcer actually for like the worst Texas high school football team, uh, like maybe <laughs> ever he, he told us. So a very interesting kind of, kind of guy. And, uh, the funny thing about interviewing them besides them just being kind of very entertaining is that as we were interviewing them, uh, we realized and they realized that they're in the same league as another player that we had in, that we had already interviewed. And they actually were kind of half halfway through making fun of his roster before he uh, realized that we had interviewed him as well. So, uh, you know, then we went and, and talked to the other owner and asked them about their team. And he was kind of, kind of trash talking their team. So we have this great kind of back and forth between them. And the best <laughs> part about it, I think, is that one of, one of those two teams actually won the league. So uh, I won't tell you who. You're going to have to listen to the episode to find out. But I, it really oh, came, awesome. came, to, came together about as well as we possibly could have hoped, yeah. Uh, that's a, exactly what we're looking for there. That's uh, an industry tease, Dave. You wouldn't know anything about it. Rich. No, I wouldn't. Rich, Mr. Rich in Fort Slow down. Rich in Fort Smith, uh, Arkansas, uh, leads off a couple of emails I want to read to you guys uh, tonight. Uh, Peter, I'll, I'll, well, I'll, I'll let Peter take this first one. Pat, you can chime in if there's anything that you think of. But uh, Rich in Fort Smith, Arkansas, writes: Greetings and salutations, Fantasyland. I know you guys couldn't have included everything you recorded in Vegas. What was the juiciest nugget? that got left on the cutting room floor. That is Rich in Portsmouth, Arkansas. Thank you so much for the email. Rich, you know, I know you guys got a ton of audio. I know how much work uh, it was getting only the important stuff in there, but there had to be uh, one of the babies that you had to kill, one thing that you really wanted to include in, but it didn't make the final cut. Peter, if there is if there is one thing out there that you really wanted to include but couldn't, what was it? Well, I'll, I'll say this. It's um, most of the interviews, you know, you guys, you guys had set us up a, a nice table down there on the, on the draft floor. And so we were kind of talking to people to, as they came to and from their drafts. But one of the interviews and part of it actually did make it into this episode <laughs> happened very late at night uh, in our hotel room. And I guess that's like the only tease I'll say is basically it was piggybacking on Pat's story when we needed to um, try to circle back with that other owner and get his thoughts. Um, it was late at night. And so we had to have him come and let's just say, you know, people had been imbibing and were various levels of intoxicated. And so it'll be curious if now, if you listen to the interview, if you can pick up on that, uh, I think you will, but that, that interview, there's lots of it that didn't make it into the episode, although part of it did. You know, we, should, we should tell you about when Rob, we were, our producer, called into our live show. Our dad, and, uh, we don't need to get into that. He barely speak. Yeah, that's, <laughs> hey, Rob, what, do you remember that? All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I, I guess I'm not following here. Vegas, late night, hotel room, alcohol. I mean, that's, it sounds pretty boring to me. I'm sure there is nothing, uh, nothing out of the ordinary in that interview. So that's, that's very cool. Uh, Pat, let me throw this uh, second uh, email to you. This is from Charlie in Wadena, Minnesota. I'm considering drafting my main event team live next year. What was the best thing you guys experienced at the Westgate last fall? Loving the Fantasyland podcast. That is Charlie in Wadena, Minnesota. Thank you for the email, Charlie. We appreciate it. Pat? Uh, best thing uh, that you guys uh, enjoyed, not maybe not necessarily at the Westgate, but in Vegas in general uh, for this past trip that you uh, that you took in September. I mean, besides talking to the, all the other high stakes players, the best the best part was actually just the draft. I mean, it sounds kind of corny, but it was it was really a rush. Like we we I, I was just listening today to audio of us after the draft, and we were like, that was intense. It was like, you know, you're sitting there at the live table, picks are flying by, and you're, you know, trying to figure out uh, who you're taking next and 
you know, Pete and I were talking like this isn't like an MFL 10 portfolio or whatever best ball portfolio that we're putting together. Like this is a, (laughs) (laughs) this is like, this is the portfolio. This is our whole portfolio. We have to nail this draft. So you have this, like, uh, you know, you've got this energy, uh, that, that you're going to this draft with is extra intense. So honestly, just being at the table and drafting was my favorite part of the weekend and kind of worth, worth the trip alone. I think. Peter, would you agree with that? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And, and I will say it was, I think I mentioned it earlier, but some of our kind of late night cram sessions, um, that was pretty fun too. just kind of finally getting in a room, uh, after only talking online and, uh, and to be there and kind of go through each of the picks and, and plan out all our contingency plans. Uh, that was pretty fun too. You know, yeah, I, I, I mentioned just be- Pete and I had not go met ahead, in Pat. person. Uh, yeah, sorry. Pete and I had not met in person. So it actually, and we had worked on, I don't know, eight, nine episodes of fantasy land before this. So, uh, it, it took coming out to Vegas and drafting for us to actually meet in person after working together for, That's great. for four months. So, yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, just bringing people together, starting relationships. It's what the FFPC is all about. Or ending them, in our case. Um, (laughs) I don't think this story has ever been told on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour before. And Dave, you can stop me if it has. But, you know, you guys talked about the the, the cram session that you had before the draft or or the nights leading up to the draft. You're really pounding out uh, as much information as you can, really dialing your strategy in. Dave, do you remember when we were in Chicago? It was me, you, and, of course, our friend Kurt. Yeah. staying at whatever hotel it was. The Hyatt? Well, I don't know. Is that what it was? Well, it depends on what story you're selling, but go ahead. When it was the 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 Persian convention there with yes. all the... Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we were cramming. In it, was, the, yeah, it was like a convention and like... You know, if by the way, if this was happening now, Trump would have had like you know, ETF <laughs> okay, outside of the let's place. Let's not get it. Let's not get it. I'm just saying that it's like... They were very friendly people. Very nice people. Very good looking people. I would okay. also say that. Yes, and a lot of women. Okay. It, it seemed like 60 to 40. Uh, it seemed perhaps, like 90 10. Perhaps that's okay. <laughs> so, so anyway, so we're you know cramming and and we're going out and I was smoking a cigar. You guys were smoking <laughs> cigarettes or whatever. Let's be let's be clear. You were smoking a Swisher Sweet. You weren't. Smoking no, I wasn't. A I don't, no, I didn't <laughs> have a cigarillo. No, it wasn't a, a Swisher Sweet. With a little wood tip. No, because remember it was that super thick long one. All because right. that's why I was out there. Well, All that's right. one of the reasons I was out there. But anyway, so we're we're having this cram session, guys, and and um, we're we're going over things. Okay, who do we like this guy here? Do we like so whatever? So we find out we we go. I don't even know who discovered. Is it Kurt who discovered it? What? The 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 two people, the couple. Oh, yes. So we're you know, so we're at the we're at the Hyatt, and we have a it's, it has a balcony, right? And, you know, the, it's one of the we have kind of like a kitty corner room. So like, and all of a sudden we see this couple with the the sheer window. Or, you know, it, they have the, the curtains not the curtains not closed, but they have like this sheer thing. Right, right, right. All, you could clearly see yeah. into it. They were having sex. <laughs> so Balky, I mean, where we all look out there like, oh, that's awesome. So we watch for a few minutes. Balky's like Pink Panther over there, like scouting around, like well, leering. Like, you were leering for like 15 because minutes. Because they kept looking, like looking in my direction, so I couldn't tell if they were like actually seeing me. Look at them. I, guys, I'm not telling. I was I'm really not, uncomfortable. I'm not making this up. So they were up against the glass. They were <laughs> up against the glass. It was not Catholic High School. It was in trouble in Kentucky Pride movie. It was not that level. Right. You couldn't really see anything. Um, you know, I was impressed. I mean, it was like 15 minutes. You were out there, and he was performing. It was something else. The Now, I, was this the year that we won the FFC? 
No, it wasn't. It wasn't. This was the year after. No, I was I was so shaken I couldn't draft well. Yeah, <laughs> like it was, and our teams are terrible that year. So <laughs> that's the thing. That's our weakness: is Kim Kardashian lookalikes having sex in a uh, in a hotel window that uh, we have plain view of. So that's our kryptonite. That's our draft kryptonite. Oh, anyway, man. sorry for boring. Hopefully, the listeners enjoyed that story at least. Dave, go ahead with this uh, next question. Do you guys have any comments since we just talked? Yeah, I don't know if you, what your thoughts are on that. What do you think about that, guys? Well, well, now I feel like we didn't have the, the Vegas experience or I guess the, the draft weekend experience uh, that we could have had. I mean, that, that seems a, a tough act to top. I can't say that I was satisfied after that or anything. Hey, it's listen, just, you know, I, I know plenty of FFPC <laughs> players. If you're looking for that type of Vegas action, they can, they can bring you uh, to, to where that is uh, next year for sure. Just leave the strip. Um, <laughs> Well, so, Westgate's off the strip. Oh, wait. You're already, they're already there. Your Just open your window. And I mean, there my, it is. My other big takeaway is I want to take down the main event next year and crack open a bottle of champagne and then puff on a, a Swisher Suite to really kind of celebrate. Sort of the, um, the, the, um, the normal celebration for main event winners, I, I think, is what it is. Um, okay, so oh, one other thing I just want to comment on. You, you talked about the big rush for the main event. And the main event with the huge grand prize is, is obviously fantastic. But I always, I always like looking at, and I, always, when I, we, I used to draft in these, um, not draft, but I love the auction leagues because auctions, you have to literally, you have to pay attention for five full hours, even like the crappy kicker and defense, you know, guys getting thrown up. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, I you remember like, like my back would like hurt after yeah. every auction. My butt cheeks were clenched for five and a half straight <laughs> hours because I was on the ed- edge of my seat the whole time. It's tough, man. That's that. Not to say that these drafts aren't draining because they are. But they those are. The auctions, event, man. Oh, the main event God. ones are, are draining. Those are like you know, like the the main event drafts are like um like a marathon, and then the the auctions are like these you know seventy two death seventy two mile a, Death Valley survival race triad, type yeah, exactly. thing. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's right. what those so are. Now, the, well, now this interview is just us talking. So <laughs> Right. All right. So guys, um <laughs> you've already started your twenty seventeen draft prep. I know you wrote of it as you guys turn out articles, it's crazy. It's amazing. Um Peter, give us an early round bust and a late round sleeper for this upcoming season. And then Pat, uh, you can't repeat Peter's picks. Sorry. <laughs> um yeah, let's see. So uh, yeah, it definitely seems like running backs are going to be even more in vogue uh, this year after they had such a great year. So I can see some running backs creeping up into the first round that maybe don't have uh, business being there. So I'll say uh, Jordan Howard is my bust. Uh, I, I don't hate him, but I think he will end up probably in the late first round by the time uh, the season rolls around. And just as a guy that doesn't really catch a ton of passes and is going to be on a bad team. Uh, I think he's uh, in a prime spot to be overvalued. So I'll say he's my bust. And for my sleeper, you know, I'll go back to the same well that we did on our Fantasyland team in this draft this year. And I guess I'm doubling down on Brashad Perriman. Uh, I still love his pedigree as a first round pick, just incredible, you know, size speed specimen, you know, <laughs> ran the 40 at like a 429 reported at his pro day so he has all the physical tools and you know that depth chart um has a lot of churn going on with steve smith heading out so i uh, still have high hopes that uh Perriman can kind of cash in on all that uh potential and draft capital yeah we're um, talking about um just today uh, uh mike wallace is could be a potential cut steve smith is gone somebody's got to step up why not rashad why not Perriman? why gotta, not now it's gotta be somebody it's gotta be somebody yeah. pat pat what about uh what about you yeah, I'm I'm skeptical of uh, of Ezekiel Elliott is what I assume will be a top 
let's say three to five pick. Uh, I don't think I'll own him uh, much given the kind of hot top half of the first round cost he's likely to have. His yards per carry this year were 5.1. It's almost certainly going to regress. Dallas was super efficient offensively. Uh, they had the third highest uh, efficiency in the NFL. I think that's also likely to regress. And Elliott wasn't all that um, involved in the passing game. He only had 40 targets. He was 32nd among targets and running backs, 46th, 46th in targets per game. So if Dallas is less successful, they could be rushing less, which would hurt Elliott. Uh, he, they could be around the goal line last, which will hurt Elliott. And um, even if they are rushing a lot, I think he's unlikely to be as efficient as he was this year. So obviously he's a great player and had a great rookie season, but I think he'll be a little bit too expensive next year. And then a running back I do like, uh, or I, I expect to like, assuming he goes around, let's say the fifth to seventh round is, is CJ Procise. Um, I like him to win the, the primary role in the backfield. Um, and even if he doesn't, I think he should be involved as a receiving option. So he's got a higher floor than a guy who's typically kind of in a competition like that. But he also has huge upside if he does win the role, given his athletic profile and that passing game uh, involvement that he's likely to have. Uh, so he's kind of the guy I'm looking at. And I also love the depth of this 2017 running back class. I'm not sure where these guys are going to land or, or where they get drafted, but uh, Deontay Foreman, Kareem Hunt, uh, Joe Mixon, uh, Jeremy McNichols are all guys who I've got my eye on seeing where they go. Cause if they're going like 10th round or later in drafts next year, uh, and they have a legitimate shot to earn playing time, I'm going to be, uh, targeting all of them. Okay. I, I have a follow up a little bit to the Jordan Howard, uh, pick. I, and it's kind of an article idea. And for all I know, you guys already wrote an article about this, but if you have a couple of times, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'd be interested to know how many, what the percentage, how these guys do as second-year running backs when they were drafted in the fourth round or later in the NFL, and then they scored like some arbitrary number, like 200 or more fantasy some, points. Something as a, very good. Yeah, like, as, a, per, as a rookie. Performing expectations significantly. Yeah, and how they did versus like ADP. Now, I'm really good at, communi- I mean, obviously you guys can tell I'm really good at communication and relating to people. <laughs> not so good at the math. So if you guys could just <laughs> take care of all that for me. And let me know when it's out. I really, that'd be great. Yeah, you know what? Uh, just uh, just stick that into uh, one of the Fantasyland pods. Just you know. Yeah. Just, and by the way, this is a message for Dave Gerzak. Go to rotoviz.com. That Jordan Harder article's up right now. Nice. But, then, but then email me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- that's terrible. Don't don't say something like that. Um, yeah. What do you think? What do you guys think? Is that a good article? Yeah. I, I the first guy that came into my head as maybe fitting the profile if he falls off was uh, Steve Slayton from a few years ago. And I know they're okay, kind of right. different running backs, but what he had that uh, he had like ten touchdowns as a as a rookie, and then just fell off a cliff as a sophomore. So uh, it can happen. Or like a Zach Stacy. Yeah, remember he was like he was going crazy. Yeah, yeah. Or I think about uh, when Eric Balkman started a podcast year one. Everybody's like, oh my god, this is great. And then year two, and every 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 year since then, just <laughs> massive, massive cost, <laughs> massive disappointment. Depends. You guys have not been a disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> this has been quite a treat uh, to have you guys on tonight. Once again, you can follow Peter on Twitter at Peter Overzet. You can follow Pat uh, on Twitter at Pat Corain. Uh, the, at the FF Comedy Hour, at Rotoviz, at Rotoviz Radio, and of course at Fantasyland Pod are the uh, other relevant Twitter accounts. We will look forward on Monday or Tuesday 
to uh, listening to the FFPC uh, version episode of the Fantasyland podcast. We will continue to listen to the Fantasyland podcast. It is an awesome one. You guys do fantastic work. Uh, we certainly appreciate everything you did with the FFPC and, and really just appreciate everything you're doing uh, for the fantasy podcasting industry in general. Great stuff, guys. Thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. Best of luck taking down that 2017 main event next year and enjoying that special Swisher Suite. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Peter Overzet and Patch Corain on the show tonight. What a treat. Those guys are great. They do excellent work. Check them out. Uh, of course, um, you go to rotaviz.com slash fantasyland if you want to check out all the previous episodes as well. I, I forgot to mention how much I like the name Fantasyland. I've always thought it's such a great name. So much well, better than the name than we use. Again, I've, I've brought this up before, not, and not to step on these guys' toes. Fantasyland was a book that was written like, I want to say, by God, 15, 20 years ago now about um, – sort of like the rise of fantasy baseball, how it got started. And, that, no one cares. And, no, but people did care at that point. But so no one that, cares about fantasy baseball. So I, I'm just, okay, well, now listen, I'm not going to have you come on this show and crap. crap. You know, Brody Brown, who was our guest <laughs> last week uh, on the show, uh, we talked a little fantasy baseball. He and I have exchanged probably like a dozen different uh, emails now talking about his projections. Like, hey, what do you think I got this guy too high? Do you think <laughs> That's I get lovely. like you know? And like, but I'm but I you know I feel like I'm so dialed in for my auctions this year. Well, uh, good for you. Yeah, I'm, so I'm very, happy I'm very excited. You and your baseball. Uh, me and my baseball, but me and my dynasty fantasy football is coming up after the break. The Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Dynasty Startup Keeper League. This uh, is something, it was a unique dynasty startup. We'll get into what happened and what the parameters were. Uh, and then we're going to have Dave see if he can guess which team was mine. And so far, the listeners, I put it out on Twitter. I should say Rob put it out on Twitter. Uh, I put it out on Facebook. Nobody's guessed my team. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's very exciting. So I have not well, seen. I've not seen it. All I know is you don't have Tyreek Hill. Yes, that's all you know. And we will get to uh, stuff that you uh, will know right after this. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Eric Balkman, Dave Gerzak on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak are here on Super Bowl weekend, talking anything of uh, except the Super Bowl here on the High Stakes I Fantasy we're Football about. Hour. Not yet. We're not. We're going to talk about. First of all. Normally, people probably tune in to this episode to hear the prognosticator give us his uh, top Super Bowl props. Again, I talked at the top of the show. He will not be joining us tonight. Did you have any? I don't know if you've looked at any yet. I've not looked at props. So you I, I plan to look at them like an hour or two before the game. Wait, because they change and everything. No, I just, I just I'm kind of lazy. But I'm just oh, to kind of, okay. just to kind of bet. The, you know, I'm not. I don't have offshore five dimes accounts, Bulky. So the only bets I'm placing are with the guys that we're hanging out with at the bar. Right. So I will look at them at that point and then try and, I don't care. And then I will try and look at (laughs) the Menasha police are going to arrest me at the Stone Toad. They've arrested people. I'll be at the Stone Toad bar and grill putting in illegal prop bets for cash. Come and get me. Come and get them. Um, Anyway, by the way, the, the fantasy land. Yeah. We had our own fantasy land at the Hyatt. We should have, you know, used that reference. Kind of was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, so the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship had a startup dynasty keeper league that myself and our good friend Kurt uh, joined and co-managed a team in that. There's a lot of FFPC players in this draft, uh, including but not limited to, uh, of course, Ron Meyer, two Packers' favorite Kentucky player, Sean Ligon, uh, Sean Ligon was in this. 
Uh, Rob Fetcher, of course, J.A. Carey, Mike Fox, uh, form, form, former two-time Kentucky champ, main event champ, uh, was in this. Travis Cox, Ray Chung was in this league, Bobby Sangerman, much, much more. Uh, so this is a, you know, I, with the exception of me, it was a star-studded league, <laughs> I, I would say. It's the best in the Midwest. Very competitive league. Uh, I, now, Dave, here's the other thing. So th- th- this Dynasty startup, it, it was a 90-second timer. So, which is, which is weird. You could not trade picks. Fairly, I love you, but that's uh, not so good. So, but we, and we did 16 rounds mm-hmm. and then the next 16 rounds will be held in July or August. Yep. So that, that's essentially how this was set up. So we did 16 rounds. You were not required to draft a kicker or a defense that did not stop some of us owners from doing it. Uh, here in front of me, Dave is the draft board from last night. Some of us owners. Interesting. Yes. Now you knew when I picked. So no, I, 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 I don't I don't remember. What you OK, said well, that. I thought that you did. So I, I took I, the, I took the liberty of mixing up some of oh, these teams. <laughs> so you if you did remember where I picked, you would not know based on just counting what slot I was. So at. do I have a minute or two to look this over? Yeah, you can look it over. And I, I can tell you just some people uh, chiming in um, with uh, on on um, Twitter when I uh, when we put this out there about what team you thought was mine and Kurt's. Uh, at underscore John Duckworth underscore, of course, a longtime uh, friend and, and uh, of the show and listener of the show. He said Team 11. Uh, that was not correct. And Jay Berg, actually, at JBNY, also thought it was Team 11. I don't know why, what, what, why they, they would have thought it was Team 11. But, uh, and by the way, I should have mentioned this. You can go on at HSFFR, or excuse me, uh, on Twitter.com slash HSFFR, Facebook.com slash HSFFR. You can look at the draft grid. It is up there right now. Um, and so you can follow along with this. Uh, Tupacker, <laughs> at Tupacker says, I'd say number 12 because he's an FSU and Packers homer, but that team is too good. I'll go with number six. Uh, Tupacker, it was not 12. It was not six. All right. Hey, you're giving all the stuff away. Um, no, I'm just, I'm t- just making it easier for you. Uh, and then uh, at at Sport Betting Man, of course, Lance Turvis, former co-host of the show, uh, he uh, tweets out, "Damn, Matt Jones went like six rounds too early. Uh, did not give any input on what team he thought right, was mine so, and Kurtz, but that was his uh, that was his reaction." From so it's that. definitely not that one. I'm looking at teams that drafted quarterbacks pretty late. Okay. So I think that that's generally the strategy that you would use. I oh. have used that in the past. Interesting. So this team here with Amari Cooper and Dez doesn't even have a quarterback yet. Is that right? Uh, I thought everybody drafted the quarterback. I don't see one here for this team. Mm, Cooper round fifteen. Philip Rivers. Oh Rivers. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that played. All right. That's interesting. That could be. All okay. Right. So am I, how much time am I wasting here? Derek Carr, well, I don't know. I, I was trying to. I was trying sorry, to run I mean, interference here for okay, you. Okay. Sorry. Did. So I've narrowed it down to three teams. It's the team okay. with Rivers, Winston, or Stafford. So let me. That's my opinion. Is that correct? Uh, you do have one of those yes, teams as right. mine. Yeah, this is great. This is yeah. like the, whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. So um, like, let's make a deal. Yeah. Which, get and in I know, guessing the right seat. I know. I know you like. I know you have Florida State guys. So I know you. I know you have love Winston. Right. And Staff. So I actually. I do. Th- oh, man. I don't think you like Spencer Ware. You wouldn't draft Matt Jones. So that's. An, I don't think that's it. Uh, that is correct. You right. have narrowed it down to one of the. The Winston or Rivers team. That is correct. It is one of those. I'm going to go with the Rivers team actually. That is correct. Yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah, so you did guess it correctly. That is awesome. Um, now, uh, the other thing I will say is I lied. I did not mix any of these teams up. I did that to throw you <laughs> off. So this is literally how they were That's drafted. Right. So if we can, I, I guess the best way to do this is we'll just sort I'm of actually, look. I'm kind of, I feel very blessed. Yeah, I, I, I would not have been, well, I probably could have guessed if it, you know, 
I, well, for you, I would have just looked at who drafted Tyree Kill and would have known that, that was your team. <laughs> I like other guys. So let's let's look at this team now. This was three RR. I had the seven pick and uh, ended up having a decision between Amari Cooper and Antonio Brown. Uh, very close for me there. I ended up going with Amari Cooper because I get the six year age difference. A lot of, a lot of years, a lot of yeah, and uh, proven quarterback there, MVP candidate until he got hurt. Incred- incredibly pedigreed. I mean, he's gonna be a, he's like right. the next, next fits in my opinion. Uh, so I was uh, wow. Okay, well now I really like well, that. I mean, pick. That's saying a lot, but maybe a well you said it. So slightly poor man. Okay, so Amari Cooper was uh, the first round pick at the 107. At the 206, I was hoping after Brandon Cook started to fall that uh, he might make it to me. He did not. Uh, I ended up going with Des Bryant there. It was, that was kind of a, an easy decision for me. I didn't really consider a whole lot of other players. You look at the running backs that went after him, Jay Ajayi, uh, Jordan Howard, uh, just not very exciting guys. Uh, Derek Henry, uh, not, not guys I wanted to take in the second round. So I went receiver, receiver, Cooper and Bryant. Third round pick. I'd like to have it back because I thought, you know, I don't know. Why? Well, I'll tell you, I, it took Rob Gronkowski at the 306. It would have been the 306 because it was 3RR. Giving him away for a couple sandwiches. I don't know if it's just you know doing a podcast that, that we really talk about a tight end premium format, but I really thought that the tight ends would, would go quicker than they did in this, and they didn't. Uh, Travis Kelsey went at the, at the 211 in this draft, and then I took the second tight end off the board in Rob Gronkowski. And then actually I saw an article by Manish Mehta from the New York Daily News uh, today, the, uh, this whole long article about why it's a smart thing for the Patriots to trade Gronk now. Yeah, so that I, made I saw made, the headline. Made, yeah. So you're on board with this Gronk in at the 306 in a dynasty. I think it's okay. I mean, I, you know, he's getting a little bit older, but um, you know, age he, 27 right now. He he never almost never plays a full season, but when he's out there, he's scoring like 22 points a game. I mean, he's just so dominant. You know, if you look at maybe not 22. If you look at dynasty league football's um, top tight ends. There's not a lot of young ones out there. Hunter Henry, I think, was the only guy that was under the age of 26 in the top 10. Um, and, and mostly they, they were 26, 27 in that area. Jimmy Graham was up there. He's getting up there in age. Greg Olson, 31. He was up there. Uh, Jordan Reed was only 26. So, so that would have been another guy, but I wouldn't, wouldn't have taken that early for sure. Um, went back to my boy. C.J. Anderson in the fourth round, uh, a guy that I think bounces back with uh, Mike McCoy. Uh, running the offense there next year, and running backs were getting a little sparse, so I wanted to make sure I took care of that. And then there's, of course, in this format, you start through receivers. I wanted to get that third receiver, end up going with Jordan Matthews, who I'm uh, fairly excited about in year two of the Carson Wentz era in Philly. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, the reason I took him uh, with the next selection was because Jeremy Hill's a free agent after this year. Uh, Giovanni Bernard is not going to probably play in the first few games of the season, which means he should finish strong. Uh, coming off that torn ACL, and I feel like this would be an easy way for the Bengals to move on from Jeremy Hill and once again have Giovanni Bernard move to more of a feature back there. You know, the Lacey pick, which is next you're going to talk about, right, yeah. you always have a soft spot for Lacey. So I can't a, get away it was, from it. It was a little bit of a hint. And then the Rivers, I know you like Winston, but you like Rivers too. So that's a little bit I like Rivers because, he, well, he was, again, you want to talk like about free. the Rivers pick. He was, he was free. free. And you look at who's who's in that offense next year. Right, yeah. uh, Melvin Gordon, Danny Woodhead. Uh, I know San Diego wants to re-sign him. Keenan Allen's coming back. You saw the emergence of Tyrell Williams. Travis Benjamin played decent, yeah. and he was hurt quite a bit last Fantastic year. Fantastic Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry yeah. in that NFC West. So I, you know, I think there's AFC West, excuse me. So I, I think there's a lot of the Lacey, man. I, again, I'm sticking to my guns that I believe the Packers bring him back on a one year or two year, uh, you know, 
There'll be plenty below of market value. Yeah, I mean, if, if they don't sign him for that, it means he went to some other place for a lot more money to be the featured guy. So, and if I can get a, a featured guy, uh, you know, Potential. in round seven or whatever it was, uh, then by all means. Now, here's where it, this was unlikely. I think you're a bunch of junk. I, I want youth here. Like, I mean, you, <laughs> Kevin White, I, again, I, I think Alshon Jeffrey's gone based on what we've talked about with some of the Bears uh, fans who are high-stakes players. I think he's gone. So uh, it's going to be Cameron Meredith and Kevin White there. I'm betting on the pedigree, uh, the fact that uh, he was drafted so high and, and uh, it has definitely really good tape. Uh, and the fact that I can get him, uh, again, somewhat late as my number four, I'm fine with. I find it interesting that Cameron Meredith was taken a full two rounds before yeah. Kevin White. Yeah, he was. Uh, Laquan Treadwell, a guy I never would have wanted on my team last year. But, again, uh, this is I was talking with Ray Chung uh, about this, too, after after we did the draft. And, and he's like, wasn't Treadwell like the slam dunk 102 in Dynasty? I'm like, yeah, and I, I'm kind of betting that he, he ha- retains that pedigree and eventually – Moves ahead of Thielen. Moves was this three RR? Yes. So you took Treadwell, and then Thielen went right after you. Right. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. So there you go. And then of course another one of my boys, Jeremy Macklin, age twenty eight, decided to grab him. Danny Woodhead. Yeah, Macklin, you can't get away from him. They can't get away from him. Woodhead is a guy I own in Carrington as yeah, well. Yeah, look at that. Went with youth, a twenty two year old Devin Funches, who again played a lot of tight end in college. Uh, Kenyon Drake, who might be the handcuff to JHI. Kenny Stills is a guy that I don't think Miami is going to be able to afford, and he's going to hit the open market. And I know Philly really likes Kenny Stills, so they might be looking at signing him. And honestly, even if it's not Philadelphia, whoever signs him is going to give him a lot of money to be a uh, big-time player in uh, their offense. Phillip Rivers already talked about and rounding things off in uh, round 16. Uh, potential handcuff to Le'Veon Bell, Carlos Williams. So that is my squad. I don't, you know, you can give it a grade or whatever, but your initial thoughts, Dave, when you, uh, when you look at it here. Yeah, I think it's pretty good, actually. I don't like, you know, some of those players aren't really guys that I'm really big fans of, but with the Rivers fix super late like that, starting with Cooper, you know, Des is getting up there, but I can't really fault a lot of the picks. Uh, Two Packer hates the Jordan Matthews fix, so I'm just calling him I don't up. think either of you guys, well, you were a Jordan Matthews guy as a rookie, like yeah, I coming traded, into the rookie I, draft. I traded him away for... Um, I don't know who it was. Oh, for ended up being Corey Coleman in a second round pick, which I then traded for another second round pick. So I'm I'm actually pretty happy. Still. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty ha- I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, not, I don't like Treadwell at all, and I don't think I think he's gonna be a, a bust. But in the ninth round, it's like even if he has a thirty percent chance of breaking out, uh, you know, you're in good shape there. And Funches, same thing. Funches, it's now this is his now third year. He didn't break out as a second year player, but he was super young coming out of um, Michigan. He might be, he could end up being okay. He really has shown literally almost nothing. Um, but every once in a while he makes a play, and so you can always just pray. And and that that's the thing with with the White, the Treadwell, and the Funches picks. I'm looking at these guys, and there's a two week alleged two week trading window in yeah. uh, July or August or whatever it was. This this is what trade we have Kentucky. these rules. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> um, but uh, all those guys need to do is is show a few plays in preseason or get the hype train rolling in preseason because of that pedigree. Right. You know, and once they have that and they get that momentum, people might think that, OK, I can buy low on this guy and I can still end up swapping him for yeah. something more stable and, and maybe even That's higher cool. value. So. For sure. I mean, Kevin White, first round pick, Treadwell, late first round pick, Funches, mid second round pick. So I totally agree with that strategy. Even Kenyon Drake, he was a, you know, was he a third rounder? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. And he's probably not going to do much, but you just never know. And right. the guy's got, you know, never know if his knee starts acting up. 
Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think any defenses were drafted last night. But Justin Tucker and Matt Bryant were both drafted. Oh, so Justin Tucker, man, snaring those kickers. I'm, I, you know, Justin Tucker, I might say, you know, it's like third down. They're sending him out for a field goal. Yeah, yeah, from seventy yards. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, fifty-two. No yeah, big deal. Coach, just let me take care of this. Let's just get the three and worry about everything else later. So, um, looking at, at the first round, we'll just, I, you know, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because oh, we're really, God, it's already. Yes, you just spent minutes. 10 minutes talking about your stupid yeah. team. Listen, it, first of all, it's not a stupid team. <laughs> Let's just quickly go through the first round. First three picks. First pick overall, 101, Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. A little surprising. Not, you know, not that surprising. I mean, David Johnson was an old running back coming out as a rookie. Oh, so yeah, Dynasty, that's right. I so forgot Dynasty, about I that. Elliott yeah. is a young player with a fantastic offensive line. And a super young and great uh, quarterback. I mean, I, I love it. I yeah. actually, in Dynasty, I like Elliott as number one. Would you take him as the 101 yeah. in a Dynasty startup? Yeah, for okay, sure. so not surprising at all to you then. Uh, so we're, are you surprised that the first three picks of a startup Dynasty draft are all running backs, given how people always talk about trying to get receivers because of the um, you know career longevity that these guys have, uh, as opposed to running backs who maybe don't, have that type of shelf life. Are you surprised to see three running backs go, Dave, uh, with the first three picks of this startup? A little bit, actually. Um, you know, I, you know, Beckham or Mike. I mean, Mike Evans. I mean, he's still super young. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I probably, I'd probably look at Evans two or three or four. Um, there was a fourth running back selected. And again, the, he's paired with Winston. Winston's super young and talented right. as well, and still improving. There was a fourth running back selected in the uh, first round, and that was the one twelve. Devonte Freeman goes there. I'm curious. Because Freeman's contract is up uh, at, at the uh, end of – is it the end of next year or is it the end of this year? I think it might be this year. Are you concerned with using a first-round pick in a dynasty startup on Freeman, a guy who yes. conceivably could be on a different team next year? Yeah, and he's not, like, crazy talented. I mean, he's performed well, but he's not, like, again, not a super pedigree player. You just don't know for sure how he's going to end up being long-term. He's still splitting time with Coleman. He performs well. Right. The Michael Thomas pick in the second round, 202. I mean, good gracious. Good I, gracious what? Like, I, I mean, too early? No, I, I would never take him at that spot. He went two picks before, uh, before Brandon Cooks. I see that. So, and that, that was another pick that I think the clock was winding down on the guys. And then, you know, that's, that's the thing with, with this draft. It's like you're making decisions uh, for owning these guys for their entire careers in, in 90 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that is like, really, it's, it's such a it's such a speed dynasty, baby. Fascinating mindset to have to get into. Like, yeah. wow, it really was. It was a lot of fun, and thanks to the KFFSC for letting me and Kurt participate in that. Uh, I'm sure I'll give you updates on that, whether you want them or not, on this show. Hi, Montgomery. Here. Good gracious. Yeah, who's listed as a uh, as a running back? Which, by the way, I should bring this up. Are we fifth at the round, F- fifth round. Anyway. at the FFPC switching yeah. him to running back? Yeah, we're switching him to running back as soon as the 2016 season officially ends. We always set a player's position to start the 2016 right. season, 16 or the, whatever season it is, um, at the beginning of as training camp ends, wherever they're ranked as, or you know, running back, wide receiver, and then after the season ends, if their position switched, then we switch it. Uh, so there is your uh, logistics update on the FFPC, and that is our show, our Super Bowl show. Oh, we didn't give Super Bowl predictions. You get a final score for me? Uh, yeah. Uh, why don't you go first? Because I, I, I was thinking about it earlier, but I yeah. didn't really write it down. High-scoring game, and uh, I do uh, believe the Patriots come out ahead, but it's going to be wacky. 30-29, to 29, New England. You know what's it? Book I, it. I have 33-27, New England. Yeah. And I, I don't think New England can hold – I think if you're gonna if you're gonna wager on New England, you should probably wager on New England and the over. I don't think they're gonna be able to stop the Falcons. Right. Um, there's a 
chance if the Falcons win that they actually stop the Patriots a little bit. Like, okay. hold them to not as many points. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, It'll be interesting. It'll be fun. I saw I'm earlier. Really, I'm really excited. This will be a great Super Bowl. Right. I saw earlier this week that um, somebody in Vegas at, at a Vegas sports book put $200,000 uh, money line on the Patriots to win, I think it was like $130,000 some thousand or whatever. Sure. So I thought that was crazy. And then uh, David Hubbard uh, DM'd me a, a tweet from one of the, I don't know. Uh, His poker buddies? Yeah, or I don't know who it was. But no, somebody in Vegas, like uh, a reputable reporter or, or somebody who works at the sports book, they took a million-dollar bet on the Falcons plus three. A million bucks. Straight up? What? Or, oh, plus three. Plus so, three, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah. So I'm like, holy cow, it's just money That's is hilarious. flying around. Yeah, I'd like to bet uh, $1,100,000 uh, to win a million, please. I, you know, or, or, what, if, what if he's like, hey, man, put a million-dollar bet in for me. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'd like to bet a million on the Falcons. And he's like... Oh yeah, okay, that pays out you know nine hundred and whatever thousand, and then he's like, "You idiot! You're supposed to lay the one point one million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do that to Leroy every time. Um, I wonder if it was Floyd Mayweather making that million dollar bet on the Falcons. I'd like to make you a bet. Okay. I bet you in fifteen years, ten years, Mayweather's broke. I bet you in ten years this podcast doesn't exist. (laughs) I bet that it is. (laughs) My God, my my wife can't wait. Yeah, yeah, that's the other. Well, they existed we, we tonight. Will. I'm not sure about FanDuel and DraftKings. That's all right. We don't need to do that. Um, <laughs> They're great people. Thanks to uh, Peter Overzet, Pat Corain, Dave Gerzak, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course all of you for listening tonight uh, to our Super Bowl show. Uh, next week you will be here, correct, Dave? I believe. Yep. Yeah. 2016 Football Guys Players Championship second runner-up, Spread Buyer and Tom Winkler will be our guests. That will be a lot of fun. Uh, they won, I believe, fifteen thousand dollars. Uh, $11,000, something like I know it's five figures, so we'll talk to him about that next week. Pick up a Dynasty owner, uh, Orphan. Enjoy the Super Bowl. It's going to be a good one. Like Dave said, your Super Bowl weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I gotta go, cause I got me a drop top, and if I hit the switch, I can make the ass drop. Had to stop at a red light, looking in my mirror, not a jacker in sight. I was talking about that Chicago thing before when I called all those women Persians. Was that racist? I don't think it's racist. Well, I don't even like, know if they were Persian. The, we kept talking about it was like a Persian convention or something like that. Maybe it actually was a Persian convention. I didn't see any rugs. Now, is that racist? That might be racist.